Good morning, everyone. God bless you. Thank you for being here this lovely morning. Thank you for joining us on the live stream. We're watching the recording, the comfort of your home. Or if you're like me while you're driving, you should kind of hold it up on the steering wheel. I'm just kidding. I'm not kidding. I do that. Today, um, I... I'll, I'll be honest with you, this is probably one of the easiest sermons um, I've put together, and I, I do thank the Lord for that, because that is normally not the case. He makes me struggle for it, as he should. I have to, to fight for the understanding and, and the unction and the, the, the wisdom or whatever it is that, that comes out of this, um, but Kelly said, hey, you know, Dad's going through something. You, you should probably be prepared. Uh, this was yesterday. You should probably think about, you know, maybe you're going to have to speak tomorrow. And so I was like, okay, sure, I'll, I'll think about it. You know, there's no fire drill, nothing's going on right now, but just think about it. And I said, all right. So I did. I just, I thought about it a little bit, didn't start, you know, diving into the word or anything of that nature. I just kind of thought about it. And then it wasn't really until much later when um, Kelly said, yeah, no, you're on deck. You need to, you need to have a sermon ready. So... Uh, I did, brother, less, wherever he went. Um, truth of the matter is, no, I, I didn't have this one in the hopper. I, I didn't prepare for it, you know, months in advance. I, I don't have a, a library of stuff that I like to just pull from. I, I tend to not want to like to recycle sermons. Obviously, you know, some of the scriptures will be the same, but I, I just don't like to do that. I like to get it straight from the, from the Lord. Um, and, and sometimes the topics are similar, but, but I, I like the fresh revelation that he gives. This one was just handed to me, and he said, here you go. So if you've ever thought, man, this was a surprise, or you know, the, the enemy's really attacking, and, and, we, and he caught God off guard, it's not true. <laughs> Let me tell you right now, it's not. He knows exactly what's going on. He loves his people. He, he cares for them, and, and I know that God is touching our pastor, and he's blessing him, and, and he will heal him, um, and, and to me, this is a testimony. This four pages worth of notes uh, is a testimony of, of God knowing and being ready and understanding, uh, because I, I'll tell you, I, I was not. I was not ready for this, but the Lord is. The Lord was. Um, so we're going to dive into the fivefold. It is something that, obviously, pastor spoke on just a couple of days ago, or maybe was that yesterday? Um, yeah, yesterday morning, and, and we, we started talking about the fivefold. He, he's going to do teachings on the fivefold, and, and so when, when I was asked to speak, immediately I just felt the Lord say, talk about the fivefold. Get people ready for the teaching that's going to be coming and, and the unction that I want to provide to my church. We have a lot of new churches that have joined uh, our live stream across the world, and, and so this is a, obviously a great time for us to get a refresher on what it is, on how it works, specifically for this body who has been living the fivefold for, for years now. Um, I, I believe there's some fresh revelation in here that, that we all need to, to hear. Um, and and it, it really is about our mandate as individuals and what you have to do as a minister of the fivefold. So we're going to start here. I'll be, you all have your teaching sheets. Uh, I'll, I'll give you another testimony real quick. Uh, I normally don't have a teaching sheet. You know this. I normally don't have a teaching sheet. But, but again, the Lord just kind of said, here you go. Take this and, and run with it. Um, and, and I also have a PowerPoint ready. I got the PDF. It's on the website as soon as Scott's able to put it up. So the Lord is ready. We're going to dive right in. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, starting in verse uh, 11 of Ephesians chapter 4 and he gave some apostles some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of God unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ this is this is the fivefold ministry here so you read it apostle prophet evangelist pastors and teachers five offices for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ it is mentioned again in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 with slight modifications so 1 Corinthians 12 
verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Have all the gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. And then it begins to talk about charity or love or agape. So, so this is where we get our picture of the fivefold ministry. And again, you'll see that there are some differences in the way that they're described here. What we see immediately is it starts with apostles, then prophets, jumps to teachers. In, in Ephesians 4, it's mentioned at the end. Here it's mentioned in, in the third spot. Then it doesn't mention uh, pastors or evangelists. So what we get out of this passage here are miracles, gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. We're going to talk about those differences when we get to them, but I want to start, as the scripture starts, with apostle. Apostle is the Greek word apostello, and it comes from two words, the root of the last one being stello, which itself has the root of histemi. Now, we've obviously heard the word histemi many times in this church. We know that it means to, to stand in that place, um, to be ready, to be established somewhere, to have the heart of God, uh, to be in a particular location. In, in this instance here, it's using that root and talking about the apostle as someone that is set apart, who is holy, who is different than everybody else, uh, but is also sent out. When we talk about the apostle, we're really talking about someone who is sent on a mission, who is sent as the first fruits, who is given the unction to go forward and to establish the kingdom of God in his histemi, in the things that God is going to do for that location, for that people group, and for that individual. Um, the, the Strong's Concordance also says to order, to go to a place that is appointed, to send away, to dismiss, to allow one to go forth or depart, that, may, that he may be in a state of liberty. So, so the apostle is one that really is sent forth. Today, as we go through these scriptures, what I'm going to do is show you how Jesus exemplified these offices and what it means for us as individuals, as ministers of the, uh, the purpose of God. So we're going to start here in Luke chapter 6. I say start, we've already started. But Luke chapter 6, verse 13. And when it was day, he called unto him his disciples, and of them he chose twelve, whom also he named apostles. So obviously not talking about Jesus. Jesus is calling the people that he is sending out his apostles, right? So, so we see him using this word apostle and, and calling forth his disciples saying, look, I'm, I'm commissioning you. I'm sending you forth to be the people that, that establish the kingdom out there in this world. That's really what an apostle is. You go out there and you establish the kingdom out there in this world, chief of which was Jesus. He couldn't be uh, or couldn't send these people out without being he himself the example that they needed to see. So he's establishing them as apostles by being an apostle himself. Let's look at John chapter 13. Verse 13 through 17, you call me master and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is apostello sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are you if you do them. So we see Jesus really referring to himself, the one that is being sent as an apostle, an apostello, an apostle. What, what is an apostle here in this church? We, we call pastor, Pastor Crawford, an apostle. I've heard many people refer to him as Apostle Ron. Um, there, there's a lot of different names that we, all good names, different names that we give to pastor uh, in different areas. You know, some call him uh, apostle, pastor. Um, you know, there's, there's all these, these terms of endear endearment that we give to our leader. Really, when I look at our pastor, I, I truly do see an apostle, someone that's taken this church 
from, from what it was unto what God wants it to be. And, and really establishing his kingdom here in this body. Not, not worried about money or people, even though those are things to be worried about. But worried about what does God want and how are we going to establish that. He truly is, to me, an exemplification of what an apostle should be. An apostle, the job of the apostle, is very difficult. It's very hard to be this front runner, to be at the forefront of what's going on. Uh, you might have heard the word, the, the bleeding edge, right? There's a leading edge where you're, hey, you're right at there at, at the forefront of everything that's going on, and there's a bleeding edge, the place where you are establishing everything, and it is very painful for you to do this. Companies attempt to be on the leading edge. Very few will try to be on the bleeding edge, because that's really where it starts to hurt. That's why it's called the bleeding edge, because you're bleeding. It, it begins to hurt. And really, what God has called people to be in, in this office, the apostle, is to be on that bleeding edge. You saw the struggles that Jesus went through uh, as an individual, going through this world, healing and touching people, and, and the persecution that came to him, and, and the people that, that deriled him, uh, that berated him, that, that ridiculed him, that looked at him and, and tried to bring him down and how he fought against that and really pushed the envelope of what a, a person of God, Jew, Christian, whatever you want to call it, but a person of God needs to be when they move forward. Very difficult to do. This is the type of person that falls first. When we think about a, a human being uh, beyond Jesus and his perfection, the, the apostle is the person that the enemy is going to attack first. Man, we see that in our church today, don't we? This type of person, because they're on that edge, because they're pushing forward that agenda, it's going to be the person that the enemy attacks. So, so very few people truly want to be an apostle. It's very difficult. For you pastors out there in your churches, many of you, I might even also consider apostles for for your congregation for your terio for the place where you've been called to stand the the apostolic is hard it's very difficult it is something that that very few people are called to because of that uh because of that nature that, that the nature of how hard it is going to be and it is but it's the place that everything stems from. Look at, look at what Jesus did with his disciples. Look at how he sent them forward. Look at the impact that they had on this world. To be an apostle is one that is ready. And, and I would argue that, that apostles are one of the few people that really exemplify all five gifts, I'm going to call them, of the fivefold ministry. One, uh, the, one of the few people that exemplify all five gifts. They almost have to. They have to be ready to understand all the things that are going on in, in their company, in their business, in their church, in the spirit realm. They've got to know the prophetic, the evangelistic, uh, how to be a teacher, how to be a pastor. They've got to know these things. I, I truly see our pastor that way. But the apostle, if you've been called to be an apostle, understand that it's going to be very hard. Understand that all these things that we're about to talk about apply to you. Some people in this church are, are pure teacher pure evangelist, pure pastor. Some of them delve into two spots, right? They're an evangelist and a teacher or a, or a prophet and a teacher or something else. The apostle is one that has to truly function in all five. That's, that's really when we talk about the, the fivefold ministry, this is the culmination point. This is the tip of the spear. This is what drives forward the ministry of God. This person paves the way for things to go forth. And, and to be clear, just because we have an apostle here does not mean that you all are, are also not called to be an apostle. Many other people have been called to the apostolic. Some don't rise up into it. Some have been called and, and some don't choose it. Some are called to it and, and it's just not their time to go forth into uh, leading this particular body, as an example, or, or leading their own body in, in a separate way, or, or as an extension of what's going on here. Some people are called to be apostolic, and then they try, and then they fail. And, and as, as Brother Les was talking about, they get trapped, they get ensnared, and, and they keep from moving forward because the apostolic is so hard. Don't let the enemy keep you from the plans that God has for you. That's the call, I would say, to the apostle. Be mindful that you are the one that the enemy is going to attack first. 
and he is going to attack you the hardest, the hardest, because you are at the forefront of the ministry of God. We saw that with Jesus. We see that here in the natural in, in our church. The apostle, very difficult job. I want to talk about next the, the prophet in line. The prophet comes from the word prophetess. It comes from two, two words, pro and the word femi. And femi has a root word of phos. Now, for those of you Greek scholars out there, you know where this word is going. But, but for those of you who don't know Greek, like me, I looked it up. Phos means light. So, so when we're really talking about the prophet, really what it means is to bring forth the light or to bring forth into the light at, at a very high level i've always seen it this way the prophet and and just so we're clear i see camera people um so i am going to walk I, for COVID, i was so stuck right here behind the pulpit and i couldn't move and i had to plant my feet i see camera people now so I, i'm sorry i have to walk um so folks is um when i when i see the prophet at, at a high level Really, it's someone who hears the voice of God, hears it, takes it into their brain, their spirit, their mind, digests it, and then this is the key part of the prophet, gives it to the people. That is the job of the prophet. You receive something from God, you receive this light, and then you share that light. A lot of times it's through, through word, you're saying things, you're, you're preaching, you're talking, you're, you're ministering or you're singing. We have prophetic voices that come out and they sing different things from the mics. Those are prophetic songs that are coming out. The prophet is someone who hears from God and speaks it forth to the people. At, a high, at the highest level, that's what a prophet is. Someone who hears from God and speaks to the people. It comes from the word phos, which means to bring forth the light. They are a foreteller, uh, by analogy, an inspired speaker, by extension, a poet, someone who speaks and who shares very closely aligned with the teacher teachers also speak very closely aligned with evangelists all evangelists also speak we call that preaching but a prophet is one who shares we have seen great examples of prophets in scripture you may know some isaiah elijah people who 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 talked to their leaders and said hey i see you doing something this is what the lord would say about that they're hearing from God, they're speaking forth, and they're letting people know. A lot of times it's the leadership, but they're letting people know this is what I hear from God. So again, the apostle has to be able to hear from God in order for them to move forward. The prophet is someone who might share these things with their leader, but is also speaking with the people. So, so really you see the prophet as, as a sort of counsel to the apostle. So you prophets out there, listen up. You have a very big job to do. Your job is to hear from God. I'm going to let that sink in because that's hard. There's many, I've heard many times in, in my, my, my stint here at the church. I just, I can't hear from God. I don't know how to hear from God. It, it is difficult, let me tell you. This sermon, very easy. The Lord just handed it to me. But, but let me tell you. Every other time that I come up here to speak, I have to fight to hear from God. I have to study. I, sometimes I start going down a path, and then the enemy says, oh, they've already, they've already heard that. They're, they already know that. These, these are very smart people. These are very spiritual, pneumonicost people. They know everything there is to know about Scripture. They're, they know everything there is to know about God. What can you offer or tell them that they don't already know, Pastor Fabian? What, what are you going to say to them that they haven't already heard? What are you going to say to them that's different than what pastor says? And what if you disagree or you say something that is in disagreement with something that he's already said? What are you going to do then? I have to fight to hear from God and to get encouraged that what I'm going to say up here is the right thing to say. I never, I've said this before, I never want to be in a position where I am sharing something and say, the Lord says, and for the Lord not to have said it. That is my worst nightmare, is to come up here and say, thus says the Lord, and then for him somehow, some way to say, no, I didn't. That wasn't me. You, you didn't hear that right. That is my worst nightmare. For me to come up here and share something from my heart, and for God to say that that was not of me. And so I struggle I fight to make sure that what I'm saying is, A, 
in Scripture because, B, it's from God. That's what I struggle with. And I, I know there's many people out there that struggle. So if you're a prophet, if God has called you to be a prophet, I, I know how difficult it is. I know how hard it is to say, is this of God? So, so what do you do? You have to plant yourself firmly inside the word of God. You've got to know it. You've got to know what he has said in order to know what he is going to say because the two will not contradict each other. Let me be very clear on that. Whatever the Lord says to you today will never contradict what he has said in his word. It just will not. And if it does, it is not of God. Let's be clear on that. If it's not in the word, it is not of God. That's what you have to do is you have to plant yourself firmly in this word as a prophet. And the second thing, just as important, you have to, you have to plant yourself in prayer. You have to have a relationship with him. You have to pray. You have to fast. You have to listen. You have to put yourself in a position where you are hearing him. So sometimes you just got to be quiet. We had a silence fast not too long ago. Very difficult for some people. Some people like to talk more than others. Very difficult. I don't know why he left. Very difficult for some people to be silent. I know it is very hard for me to be silent. I, many of you might have been in that same situation where you're just like, okay, I'm going I'm to be silent before the Lord. And then you start praying in tongues. I, I, I know I did it. Maybe many of you did it too. It's very difficult to be silent just to listen to God. But look, when you're a prophet, you've got to hear. You've got to hear from God. So you've got to know the word, and you've got to know the Lord. And the only way you're going to do that is to listen to him, is to pray, is to have communion. Sometimes communion is a conversation. I, I can't know my wife and know what she's thinking and how she's feeling and what she might do tomorrow unless I have a relationship with her, unless I've talked to her, unless I've looked at the family calendar, right? I've, I've got to know what she's thinking and, and what she's going to do. There's times when I say, oh, I better not do that because I know she's going to get angry. I know she's going to be real. How, how would you know that? You can't predict somebody's actions. Well, if you know them pretty well enough, you know what sets them off, right? Are, do you know the Lord in that way? Have, do you have a relationship with him? Because that is the job of the pastor, is to know the Lord, to have this relationship with him, and, and to read his word and understand what's coming forth from it. Let's see how Jesus treated it. Matthew chapter 13 Verse 53, and it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these parables, he departed thence, and when he was coming to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue insomuch that they were astonished and said, whence has this man this wisdom, and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And his brethren James and Joseph and Simon and Judas and his sisters, are they not all with us? Whence then has this man all these things? And they were offended in him. But Jesus said unto them, a prophet, he's calling himself a prophet, a prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. So he's calling himself a prophet. How did Jesus get all of this wisdom, this understanding, this revelation isn't that his brother over there? Isn't that his sister right over there? I saw them making jokes and cutting up behind church the other day. Isn't, isn't, aren't these his people right here? How is it that this guy has all the wisdom and all the understanding? I, I just don't get it. A prophet is not without honor. In other words, they are with honor everywhere except in his own home. They just couldn't see past his familial ties to that place. They just couldn't see it. Jesus here calling himself a prophet. So let's see what, as a prophet, he ends up doing with it. He had to know God. So John chapter 4, verse 6. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink, for his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then said the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that you, being a Jew asks drink of me which am a woman number one but i'm also of samaria for the jews have no dealings with the samaritans 
And Jesus answered and said to her, If thou knew, knewest the gift of God and who it is that says to thee, Give me to drink, you would have asked of him, and he would have given you living water. And the woman said unto him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself, and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said, Whosoever drinks of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. And Jesus said unto her, Go, call your husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he, he whom thou hast is not your husband. And in that saidst thou truly. And the woman said unto him, unto him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. So we see Jesus referring to himself as a prophet. We see others referring to him as a prophet. Uh, what I find fascinating about this story here is at one point, he says, look, I've got this living water. If you had known who I was, you would have asked me for it. He, he explains it a little bit, and she says, give me the water then. But he takes it a step further. Why? She, she was there. She was receptive. Seemingly, she said, hey, okay, great. I want the water. Give me the water. I'll take it. I'll take it right now. How many of us have, have ever been uh, evangelizing or talking to somebody about our faith in the Lord, and, and they have just jumped straight to, hey, I want to be saved. Let's, let's pray right now. Let's do it. Let's do this thing. Let's, let's pray for salvation for me. Let's go right now. How many of us have ever experienced that? If that happens, man, you jump right on it. You'd say, great, give me your hands. Let's do this prayer of faith thing right here. Let's repent for our sins. Let's, let's move forward. Let me walk you through the Romans road and get you saved. That's, that's what we would do. But no, 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 no. Jesus says, go call your husband first. Why? He knows, he knows, he knew she didn't have a husband. So why, why do all this? Because he also knew that, that without the example of understanding, without showing her, look, you can't trick me. You can't just say, give me the living water and then go off and live your own life. You need to understand what's going on in your life before you can accept this new life that I'm about to give you. That's why he calls her to say, go get your husband. Because he wants her to understand that there's more to this living water than just saying the words. you got to live the life. And so he says to her, go get your husband. Well, I don't have a husband. You're right. You don't have a husband. The guy that you're with is not your husband. The five guys before him are not your husband. He told her right then and there, this is the life that you've been living. And you've got to change that. That's no longer the life for you. If you want this living water, you're going to have to change. And that's when she says... I see that you're a prophet. I get it now. You're higher than anything else I've ever experienced before. That's what changes her life. That's what makes her go into town and say to the people, hey, come see a man that has told me everything that has ever happened in my life because he's going to change your life. Come see this right now. It's amazing. It's crazy. That's what Jesus did right here. That's what really made him so, so to you prophets out there, recognize, recognize that you're going to have to know the voice of the Lord. You're going to have to be instant, in season, out of season. You're going to have to be ready for when God calls you up here and says, hey, it's your turn. Go, go, right now, go. Hey, you see that person that, 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 that you're talking to at work? You need to tell them right now what I'm about to say to you. You need to be ready to, to preach the gospel to them. Not preach at them, but tell them the good news. You need to be ready to give them the word that I'm about to give you. Man, have you ever been in that situation where God gives you a word for somebody and you just don't know if it's true or not? It's so out there in left field. You ever been in that situation? It is, let me tell you, it is a scary thing for you to be talking to someone. All of a sudden the Lord say to you, hey, tell them this. I'm not going to tell them that. They're going to laugh at me. Tell, tell, them, tell them I saw them yesterday. Well, of course you saw them yesterday. You're God. Why would I say that? Tell them, tell them that I love them. Well, God, I, I'm trying to have a conversation with this person. Can, can you give me a second? You've got to be ready. 
There's, there's times when God's not going to give you everything. He's just going to give you a snippet. He's going to say, hey, say this. And that's when he tests you. That's when he tries you. That's when you start to gain faith or, or fall back. And he's going to try it over and over. As Brother Les, that's a great scripture, Brother Les. Seven times that righteous man is going to get up. You're going to keep getting up. You're going to, he's going to keep trying to get you up there. He's going to start out small. Hey, hey, just tell the person this, just this little thing. Just start there. I remember, I've said, shared this story before, but I'll share it again. I remember at a conference when we first started this whole experience, and pastor had us up here, and he said, does anybody, I'm sorry, he had, we were in the back, and he had people up here, and, and he said, does anybody have a prophetic word for the people up here? And, and I remember certain members of our congregation saying things. They would raise their hands. They would get the mic. They would share stuff with the, to the people that were up here, and, and I felt an inkling. I was way in the back, and I felt an inkling to say something to an individual, and I was like, no, 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 that's, that's me trying to be a leader in this house, trying to show that I hear from God, trying to um, make sure that people understand that I'm still here and that I'm still relevant. It's not a word from God. It's just me trying to be what everybody wants me to be. So I was in the back and I was struggling. The Lord kept saying, hey, just say this, just say this. And I'm like, no, 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 that's not God. That's just me. That's just me. So I never said it. The person was right up here. They were calling for prophetic words, never said anything. And, and then pastor ended with prayer, and I just felt defeated. I felt like, man, you just messed up. I felt so horrible and bad about what I had not done that, that I said, you know what? I'm just going to do it. I'm going to go up to this person. Sorry, oil. I'm going to go up to this person, and I'm just going to tell them what I feel. So I did. I went up to uh, a, a, a lady that was up here, part of another church, and I went up to her and I said, hey, look, this is what I feel. And I began to just share. And it just kind of, bleh, it just came out. It just started coming out and coming out and coming out. And I was sharing with her. And, and she was looking at me like I was the craziest person on the earth. She was just kind of staring at me like, what? So I felt even worse after that because I was like, I just, I just said all these things that were probably not true. And I just told her that it was from God. And, and now I feel like I'm misrepresenting God, my worst nightmare. So I, I said all this stuff. I said, you know, I just, God bless you. And I left, and I just felt horrible. Horrible because I didn't say it the first time, and then horrible because I did say it, and I didn't feel confident in what I had said. Horrible. So two weeks go by. It's kind of in the back of my mind. I kind of let it go. I felt bad, but I said, Lord, I'll do better. Two weeks go by, and I got a letter, a, a physical letter in the mail from this woman to the church. And she said, I just wanted to thank you for listening to the voice of God because everything that you said to me was true. And, and he has changed my life because of the conference, because of the ministry of the church, but, but also because of your word. And, and what you said to me were things that I have been struggling with, things that I had to change in, in me, things that I have to pray about and really talk to the Lord about what he wants me to do next because, 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 I have to change all of that. And I just began to weep. I, I did. I just started crying, and, and I started thanking God. Uh, I, I had no idea that, that the word was A, true, B, relevant. I like to say A and B a lot. I, I just didn't know. And, but here he was encouraging me to take that step and to move forward. I'll, I'll tell you what it took. Knowing God and being confident that he wants to talk to you. He wants to talk to you. He's going to start out small. He's going to try. But, but what's going to prevent you from hearing the voice of the Lord is you pushing it aside and saying, no, no, that's not God. No, I will not say that. No, I'm not ready. You're never going to be ready until you're ready, until you say, yes, Lord, I will hear from you, and I will do what you have asked me to do. That is the prophet, a very, very difficult job. Let's talk about the evangelist, the next difficult job. I'm going to say it right now. They're all difficult. This is the next one, evangelist. Eugalistes, from 2097, a preacher of the gospel, an evangelist, a bringer of good tidings. The, the interesting thing about this one, again, is it is not, does not show up in 1 Corinthians 12. So what we can infer from 1 Corinthians 12 is that truly 
what, what it's talking about when it says the evangelist is this section right here. After that, miracles, then gifts of healings. Those two items are attributed to the evangelist in 1 Corinthians 12. We can see it here in Luke chapter 4. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as, is his, as, his, as his custom was, he went to the, into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found up the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, gave it to the minister, and sat down. And the eyes of all of them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. You have to understand that this passage of scripture was very, very rarely read in a sitting like this. When, when they went up to read scriptures in the synagogue, this passage was not used because this passage specifically was reserved for the person who would be the Messiah, the person who would rise up and to take the mantle of Christ and bring back the kingdom of God. So for him to be audacious enough to read that passage of scripture and to say to those people that I am the fulfillment of this passage stirred up a lot of feelings in people. Good feelings. Some thought, wow, great, it's here. All the time that we've been waiting for our Savior to come, the time is now, and he's saying that he's the guy. That's awesome. Other people were saying, all this time that we've been waiting for a Savior, this guy appears and he's saying he's the guy. That's ridiculous. So you had those two feelings. Great, not so great. All these people that were saying, you're going to fulfill all of this, and guess what? Jesus then goes on to exemplify this very passage of Scripture. That's why it happens so early in his life when he stands up and he says, look, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen and then I'm going to go do it. This is what I'm going to go do. I'm going to preach the gospel of the poor. I'm going to heal the brokenhearted. I'm going to preach deliverance to captives. I'm going to recover sight to the blind and set at liberty them that are bruised. I'm going to do these things. The job of the evangelist is to do. He's the doer. He's the one that goes forth. The, the miracles, the healing, the, the touching of lives, the praying, the intercession. That is the job of the evangelist. It is a full-time job. You've got to be on at all times of the day, of the week, of the month, to be ready to do what God has asked you to do. If you think being a prophet is hard, I'm going to hear from God and I'm going to say something to somebody. Imagine being the evangelist who's been called to look at the person in the wheelchair and say, hey, silver and gold have I none, but what I, give, what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. How difficult is that? I, I felt an urging one time. We were in, in Switzerland, and, and a man came up to us, and, and he, he was in a wheelchair, and we were just ministering to him. He, he happened to speak French and Spanish, and I happened to speak English and Spanish. So I was talking to him in Spanish, and he was interpreting that to French people, and I was interpreting that to English-speaking people. <clears throat> so we're talking back and forth. There's others around us. And, and let me tell you, the entire time I'm talking to him, I'm looking at him, and my spirit is just lighting up, and it's saying, Talk, tell him, tell him, tell him that scripture. Tell him that, that Jesus wants to heal him. Tell him, rise up and walk. Pray for him, pray for him, pray for him. Pray. That's all I kept hearing was pray for him. So I'm, I'm hearing this thing just bing, 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 going at me. And I'm trying to interpret what he's saying to other people. I'm trying to have a conversation with him. He's telling me his life story. And, and so I'm, I'm trying to listen and, and engage with him on what's going on in his life and the hardships that he's gone through. His wife had left. I mean, all these things. All this stuff is going on, and, and during the entire time, I'm just hearing, pray for him, pray for him, pray for healing, pray for him. And, and I, it, was, it was everything that I could do not to just jump out of my skin and stop whatever was going on. 
I didn't pray for him. I was so disappointed that time too, but I didn't pray for him. I, I didn't stop and say, you know, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. I, I didn't say, you know what, I'm just going to lay hands on you and pray for healing. I didn't do any of that. I just talked to him. And then when, when we were done, I, I prayed with him, just the simple, hey, God bless you, you know, touch this man in his life. And, and maybe I kind of interjected some, some stuff in there, but it was definitely not what I felt I should have done and prayed for healing right then and there. I didn't do it. I didn't do it, and I was so disappointed in myself. And, and as I reflect on that time, I began to think, what, what is it that I was afraid of? What, what I, was I scared was going to happen? That he wasn't going to walk? Man, wouldn't that have been devastating? You're over here praying the power and the ministry of God, and you say, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk, and then he doesn't walk, and then you think, okay, well, then I'm a fraud. God's a fraud. This guy just got prayed for and nothing happened. What's he going to do, right? That's, 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 again, my worst fear. So I didn't do it. And, and then I got a check, like check in my spirit. I got a check, and, and the Lord said, I didn't ask you to heal him. I didn't ask you to, to get him out of his wheelchair and grow new legs. I think he had legs. I can't remember now. I didn't, I, yeah, I didn't ask you to just make him pop out new legs or, or get on the, one, the skinny ones that he had already. I didn't ask you to do any of that, Fabian. I said pray for him and pray for healing. That's all I asked you to do is pray for him and pray for healing. And I, I couldn't even do that because I was scared. It's not your job to heal someone. Let's make that very clear. You are not the healer. Jesus is the healer. You are the conduit for his words to come out and for his power to flow through, but you're not the one doing the healing. So if you pray for someone and they get healed of a sickness or a disease or a pain, guess what? You didn't do anything but be obedient. Good for you. That's what, exactly what you should have done. You were obedient and the Lord moved through you, but it was not you. You can't just go to a hospital and just start praying for people and cancer go away and AIDS go away. You're not going to do that. That's not how it works. That's not your job. Your job is to be obedient, to hear the voice of the Lord, and to be his conduit. And as the evangelist, you have that duty. Some of you are called to be evangelists and prophets, evangelists and teachers, evangelists and apostles. As an evangelist, your job is to do what God has asked you to do, no matter how difficult it is for you. Do you hear me? It's your job to do it. It's your job to be the person that God can just say, hey, I need you to go do this right now. Go, boom, it's done. That's, that's what the evangelist is. We see Jesus doing this. Matthew 11, and it, went, and, and it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, are you the one that should come or do we have to look for another Messiah? He just said, look, I'm the one. This day is scripture fulfilled in your ears. But, but John's disciples are like, look, are you really the guy? Jesus answered, verse four, and said, go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. The blind are being, are receiving their sight the lame are walking, lepers are being cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. I am doing the things that God has asked me to do. So go tell John this is what is happening right now. You're seeing it with your own eyes. I am fulfilling the office of the evangelist. Look at Luke 9. Then he called his 12 disciples, verse 1, together, gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God, to heal the sick. And he said, take nothing for your journey, no stave, script, bread, money, neither have two coats apiece. Whatsoever house you enter, there abide, and then you depart. And, whatsoever, and whosoever will receive you when you go out of that city, shake off. Whosoever will not receive you when you go out of the city, shake off the very dust from your feet for a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the towns preaching the gospel and healing everywhere, which is exactly what we should be doing. I, I wrote down some examples for you to see. Healing of the lepers in Mark chapter one, paralytic in Matthew nine, the blind man in John chapter nine. He raised three people from the dead, uh, Jairus' daughter, the young man from Nain, Lazarus, 
many of the miracles that he did, turning water into wine, catching fish, feeding the multitude. The list is there. I'm not going to read it all. It's there for you to see. So Jesus was and is the ultimate evangelist because he was a doer of the word. The pastor. Well, I'm going to go through these very quickly. Of a certain affinity, a shepherd, a pastor. It comes from the word poimen, a herdsman, a shepherd in parable. He to whose care and control others have committed themselves and whose precepts they follow. In 1 Corinthians, again, because it doesn't show up as a word there, it's really talking about this section here where it says helps, governments, diversities of tongues. It's what we see as the traditional pastor, right? The leader, the guy that's in charge, that's taking care of people, the shepherder, the shepherd, as he's shepherding his sheep. In Matthew 9, when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion because they fainted were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. In, John, in fact, I'm going to skip this one, but it's there for you to read. John chapter 10, he calls uh, himself the shepherd, the good shepherd. He says, I am the door to those sheep. They need to come to me. I'm going to take care of them. I'm going to uh, feed them lay down my life for them, all that good stuff. So Jesus, again, calls himself the pastor, the ultimate shepherd. Matthew 16, when Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say you are John the Baptist. Come back for the dead. Some say Elias, and others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said unto them, But who say you that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I also say unto you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And then he goes on to say other stuff. The, the, the reason I put this scripture in here, one of the offices, or I'm sorry, the chief duties of the pastor, when it talks about helps, it's, it's really talking about that encouragement piece. It's really talking about seeing inside of people who they are, who they're called to be, and, and where God wants them to be. It, it goes beyond the prophetic, really. It goes into seeing somebody's soul and, and understanding the purpose that God has for them. It's very difficult to be a pastor. One of the difficult jobs, right? I should have called it the five difficult jobs in the Bible. It's one of those difficult jobs where you look at someone and you say, look, God has something for you. And, and then I hear from God prophetically, and I'm able to share with you, this is where God wants you to go. Not, not just for tomorrow. It's not a point in time. It's not this, this instance thing, which, which is usually what the prophet does. It's a, it's a pastoral thing where it says, look, I see the gifts, the talents, the callings that God has put inside of you. And, and a good pastor will shepherd those in you and grow you to the person that you're going to be. That's really what the pastor is for. The pastor, and, and it's not about the pastor being a pastor of a church. Some people are called to be pastors because they have that gift inside of them. And it has nothing to do with the building or having a congregation. It's the way that you minister to people. So some, of, some people have been called to be pastors, not necessarily to pastor a church. Let's be clear on that. You're called to be a pastor, but you're not called to pastor a church. What you're called to do is to look into someone's life like Peter here and say, hey, that revelation that you just got, that was of God. And he's going to use that, and on top of that, we're going to build a church. We're going to build a kingdom on this revelation that God is bringing up. That's what a pastor does. That's why that's in here. Jesus looked at his disciples and said, look, I've seen your sins I've seen the things that you've done in the past. I've seen the problems that you have, and I want to take you out of that and elevate you into a new place of understanding and put you in a path where you are ministering the, the kingdom of God to the people around you. That's what a pastor does. He, he, she lifts them up and brings them along to the place where they need to be. Many people are called to be pastors. You're not called to pastor a church. You're called to help to govern, to encourage, to lift up, to bring out into a place. Now, many pastors, or people who are called to be pastors, are called to be pastors of a church. It just falls naturally to them. 
to lead that way. And that's great. Not everybody. Just so we're very clear, that was not the intent in the very beginning when God established all this. The intent was to say, look, you are an individual that lifts other individuals up. That's your job. Last one, very quickly, because I know that we got kicked out with the air. The teacher. From the Greek word didaskalos, an instructor, doctor, master, teacher, teacher in the New Testament, one who teaches concerning the things of God and the duties of man. We've got just a few scriptures here. Uh, 2 Timothy 2.15, very, very important scripture. I love this scripture. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You've got to know the word of God. Teachers, you have got to know your material all the teachers out there know this is true you can't go up there and teach math i had a teacher i'm going to pause here for a a a break i had a teacher a math teacher in college college mind you probably had a master's or a doctor whatever it is it takes for you to be a professor at a college college professor who was teaching us math and and i'm sitting there why i came from a great god bless me the great high school education so i'm off in college now I'm listening to this teacher talk, and he's, and he's doing stuff, and he kind of took like this. Not that I didn't do it, but that's how he talked. So he's talking like this. He's doing his math up on the board, and he's going in this really roundabout way to, to get from A to B. I, I really don't know what he was trying to teach. I can't remember. I know it was, it was Algebra 1. He was trying to teach all these, these concepts. So he's doing all this stuff, and I raised my, my hand. I said, uh, Professor, if you don't mind, wouldn't it have been faster, easier just to do this? He's like, well, why don't you come show us? And so I, I went up to the board, and I grabbed the chalk, and I'm like, and I'm done, right? A couple of steps, and it was over. And, and he kind of looked at the solution. He looked at the class, and he goes, well, there you go, folks. That's how it's done. And I'm like, well, this is a teacher. He's teaching us how to do math, and I'm over here, you know, a punk at the age of 18 teaching him a better way to do math. And, and so at that point, I recognized, look, I'm probably not going to get a lot of this class. I probably got more in high school that I'm going to get out of this class. And at that point, a lot of the students started coming to me asking for tutoring, which was cool. But the whole point is I'm looking at this guy. I'm thinking, you've got to know your subject matter. Teachers, you've got to know. You've got to know what's going on in order to explain it to somebody else. What does that mean for you as a Christian teacher? It means knowing the word of God. We come back to the word a lot. You've got to know the word. You've got to know the word. If you haven't read the Bible from beginning to end, I highly encourage you to do that. Even the boring parts, when so-and-so begat so-and-so, who begat so-and-so, who begat so I, I encourage you to read it all, word for word, all the way through from beginning to end. If you need to find an easy version, like an NIV or something, go for it. That's fine. But you've got to read it. You've got to know it. It's at that point when you start to ingest the word of God that he begins to bring back those things. The second thing you need to do is you need to memorize scripture. If you are not actively memorizing scripture, you're doing yourself a huge disservice. There's a ton of scriptures out there that every person should know. Every Christian should know John 3.16. I mean, it's the easiest one out there. Every Christian should know that one. Every Christian should know this one right here. Study to show yourself approved. You need to find yourself a favorite passage of scripture. I like Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. It's my favorite one. Go find it. It's good. Read it. You've got to have your own favorite personal scripture. You've got to know the stories. There's times when I love that, that trick that people play. How many, how many of each animal did Moses take on the ark with him? Does anybody know? Zero. That's right. Moses didn't take animals on an ark. It was Noah. <laughs> trick question. Everybody, every Christian should know the answer to that question. Moses didn't take people on an ark. It was Noah. Teachers, maybe some of you think, well, I'm not called to be a teacher. Let me tell you, though, you have got to know the word of God. And as a teacher, if you've been called to be a teacher, you truly have to know the the word of God. Because here's why. Here's what the teacher does in, in the fivefold. The teacher is called to take this, this active representation of his voice, the word, and to disseminate it in such a way that people understand it and can apply it to their lives. Can disseminate the word of God so that people understand it 
and apply it to their lives, can break down what the Bible says, help others to understand what it means for them, and then therefore they apply it to their lives. That's what a teacher in the natural does and in the spirit. Break it down, help you understand it, help you apply it to your life. That's part of my job up here as a teacher. As a prophet, I hear the voice of God and I speak it. As an evangelist, I go and I pray and we do all these things. I just do. And as a teacher, I speak. I say, look, here's what the Bible says. Let me help you understand it and apply it to your life. If you have been called to be a teacher, if you are teaching others, your job is to know this thing in and out. There should be no question when someone says Moses versus Noah. No question that whatsoever. You, you're, you gotta know all those little tiny ones too. Like who was Jeroboam? Who's Rehoboam? Where's the book of Zephaniah or Zechariah? Does anybody know? What, which one of those is not a book of the Bible? What's the last book of the Bible? What's the middle? What's the end of the Old Testament? These are all questions that you should know if you think you're a teacher. You should know these things. I, I would argue, look, if you want to be a good Christian, you should know them too. But hey, one step at a time, right? As a teacher, you've got to know the word. You've got to know what God is saying. You've got to be able to break it down and hand it to others. Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel and then healing them. Matthew 11:1. 1, when Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Matthew 4, when Jesus, led in the, it's, Jesus was led up to, of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. I'm not going to read it. I'm gonna, just going to say it. He's tempted by the devil. He's in the wilderness. He's tempted by, by, by the enemy saying, hey, hey, aren't you hungry? Look, if you were really the son of God, if you really believe that God is who he says he was, you would look at those stones and you would say, hey, be made bread, and then you would eat and consume, and you would be just fine. If you are truly, truly the Messiah, if God is truly alive in you, you should be able to do that. And what does Jesus say? No, 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 no. The Bible says... And then he begins to quote scripture. And then the enemy says, hey, look, why don't you throw yourself off this rock? Because the Bible says that, hey, angels will come and protect you. And, and then Jesus again says, no, 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 no. The Bible says. And then the third one, right here, what is it? Oh, that was the last one. Um, he says, he shows them all the kingdoms, uh, he takes them to an exceeding high mountain, shows them all the kingdoms of the world, and all the glory, and he says, all things I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan, because the Bible says, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only will you serve. Jesus attacked or defended himself from the enemy with scripture. That is the job of the teacher. Matthew 28, last scripture. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them, in the, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Doesn't it feel like it's the end of the world? It feels like it's the end of the world, but guess what? He's with us, even though it feels like it's the end of the world. But we have a job to do. This, this is our ministry right here. This is your duty as a Christian, as, as a saint, as those called to establish and minister in a five-fold manner out there. So as we begin to have these teachings across these next few weeks into the seminar, as you begin to learn more about the five-fold, recognize that this is for you. It is not for some way elite person that's way up there and out there, because guess what? You are the elite. You are the ones that God has called. You have been set apart for this particular reason. We're, we're not just the Christians that are out there just kind of flailing about like sheep. We are the ones that have been called to go forth and establish the kingdom of God. That's you, every single one of you. This is your job right here. So, Father, I just thank you for giving us this calling. I thank you. and We receive it right now, Lord. We submit ourselves to you and to your calling and to whatever it is that you have for every single individual in this house. Lord, I submit myself. Our pastor has submitted himself. These people submit themselves to you. Establish within us this five-fold calling. Lord, Lord, to those lucky, quote-unquote, lucky few who have been called to all five, bless them.
We have a hard road ahead. All of us have a hard road ahead, but we know that you're gonna be with us every step of the way, and we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for your, for your ministering power. We thank you for the lives that we're gonna change. We thank you that you are touching and blessing every single one of us. We thank you. Thank you, Lord, for all of this. And again, we submit ourselves to you because we love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. Thank you so much for enduring this long message. I know the, the air shuts off, so you're probably all sweating like me. Have a great afternoon, and, and please continue to pray for our, our pastor and for all the things that are going on. God bless you. Amen.